Welcome to the Fedora Podcast. This is episode 24. This is a podcast where we teach you... Uh, sorry, my uh, I had a script. It was awesome. And uh, the script moved on me. So this is the podcast where we teach you all about how the Fedora community works. We bring you news, interviews, and so much more. On today's episode, we'll be talking to our guest, Matthew Miller, the uh, Fedora project lead. And we're, we're going to be talking about this little thing that happened just a few weeks ago called uh, uh, the, the Fedora Linux release. Maybe some of you all have heard about that. But without further ado, here is my, uh, here is my friend and co-host, Mr. Matthew Miller. Welcome to the Fedora podcast. Hey, glad to be here. It it does feel like longer than a few weeks ago, but uh, I think I still remember some of it. So, can... <laughs> right. <laughs> so yeah, we we had the release, and then we had some shuffling and and some schedule changes, and it's it was just all kinds of crazy. But we are here, we are live, and uh, really excited to bring a a podcast to you on this Tuesday afternoon. Uh, so, I got to admit, I had to go back and and look at the show notes because. Uh, I've actually been running Fedora Linux Workstation 38 for probably close to two months now, and uh, and that's just because I kind of a, I kind of took on the the beta. Yeah, I I tend to upgrade right around like beta freeze time as well. Um, at least one of my systems. I, being a huge nerd, I have more than one computer to upgrade, so I kind of kind of stage things out and keep one one safe just in case, so I will not be cut off from the world if I mess up my own <laughs> OS. But um, yeah, it's it generally kind of adds all that attention around getting the release together, and when things get into the frozen state, tend to be pretty good and you know interesting. If you if you if you like to live on the leading edge of things, it's a nice way to do it but we also <laughs> do put a lot of working making sure that the final release has you know, the polish and lives up to the expectations and kind of the drama going down to the wire each time of will we be able to bring everything together kind of shows how much the qa team you know, takes that seriously and how much that really does make sure each release is really nice yeah, and we'll we'll talk about uh, release a little bit the the release process a little bit later in the episode uh, because uh, we kind of hit a milestone this this last time so we'll uh, we'll circle back to that but first for those uh, that are new to the podcast new to the community why don't you introduce yourself and, and tell us a little bit about what you do yeah uh, so I am the Fedora project leader and I've done that for I guess nine years now almost nine years next month I think is the Think, which has been, been a while. Um, I've been involved in Fedora since even longer before that. I, it's a project that I really love, and it's my you know, my family in a lot of ways. Uh, I um, am a distinguished engineer at Red Hat. That's what this fancy top hat here is for. Um, that's actually from some <laughs> of y'all. Uh, when I got that promotion, people thought that the normal Red Hat Fedora doesn't didn't quite sound dis distinguished enough, so um, I don't know. I got that, so I, I'm pretty happy about that. Um, as Fedora project leader, kind of my job is to try and keep everything on track and to make sure that the project, sort of the, the natural state of any open source project, is to go in every direction at once, which is which is cool because it, it lets you lets you explore a lot of different areas and ideas. And we, we want to make room for that. But also, if we want to have a big impact, we want to make sure that we're actually uh, being relevant to 
people other than ourselves. We want to make sure that we are, you know, kind of le leading the world in Linux distros. We need to talk about where we want to go and agree on strategy. So trying to get those conversations to be useful and functional is a lot of my job. Um, also, basically everything that goes wrong is ultimately my problem. So I try to make sure that um, few things go wrong as possible. I guess that's... <laughs> So in, in most communities, I, I'd say that uh, it, it's like uh, herding cats, but that's that's not how you see your role. Yeah, I mean, well, you can't herd cats anyways. Um, but <laughs> that's I mean, part of that metaphor is about, you know, the futility of doing that. People people are here because they, they want to do something. They're interested in the community, they're interested in what we're doing. And, you know, telling them that they are now part of a herd that is going to be shuffled in a certain direction it's just not going to work. So it's more of a, you got to listen to people. And, you know, I have my own ideas, um, but listen to what people are interested in collectively and try and make sure people are empowered to do those um, in the best way possible. Um, so I don't know. It's, I don't know if I've got a cat-based metaphor for this. But, <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure that that metaphor survives the, the transition and into, into the Fedora community. But uh, I, I like how... Uh, I like how you you present yourself as, you know, I'm I am the chief point of contact, not the not the lead. I'm I'm the person you go to when all else has failed. Kind of a kind of an approach. Yeah, although that you can come to me at other times too. It's not limited to that. In fact, it's nice if it's not when it's a problem. Um, you know, I do try to help us. You know, uh, there's some things I I try to push on things that I think are important or things that I see you know collectively seem to be important that I try to push forward. Um, so. There's there's some amount of leadership there, I guess I hope, but um, it really does come down to you know making sure the community has the power. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so I know we've uh, I know that the Fedora podcast has on had you on a few times, and we'll we'll probably have you on again here in the near future because uh, we we kind of want to talk about. Uh, this this one's more retrospective, but moving forward, we want to talk a little bit about where's the Fedora project going. Um, obviously, there's a lot of big plans with with the Fedora project, and and uh, um, not to mention just the Fedora community is growing like crazy. Um, so we definitely want to have you back on in the near future to kind of talk about future state, about uh, about your vision. Um, I guess the community vision would be more accurate, but uh, but today we're we're talking a little bit about a release here, and and forgive me, I'm I'm having to look down to to check the chat. Uh, so if you are joining us live, feel free to put in your questions and your comments. Uh, we'll we'll address those as as we go through the conversation today, because this is a, a conversation and not a presentation. So that's why we choose YouTube. I see someone there has accused me of not being Matthew Miller. Um, <laughs> there are a lot of people with this name. Um, yeah, uh, so there you probably probably saw someone else. It, it's a good way, I guess, to hide if I if I need to. Uh, but uh, of the Matthew Millers, I am this one, I guess. <laughs> the top hat wearing Fedora Project Lead version of of Matthew Miller, I suppose. Well, top hat owning, I don't actually wear it because it seems a little. I don't know. Uh, it's not not quite on my my humble brand. I don't know. <laughs> As, as Matthew and I have learned doing a few of these streams together, we can derail ourselves fairly easily, like the uh, conversation about having an IoT-powered uh, Roomba for monitors. 
um, what was part of our pre-show conversation. We should have recorded that. That was there. <laughs> some great ideas for the future of microprocessors and and. Uh... <laughs> so how about how about how about release? <laughs> Yeah, uh, so this was a nice, smooth release. And as you said, there was an interesting milestone. So one of the things that I don't know, is a constant, uh, it, for a while, was really uh, an annoyance with the tech press. Our, our release process is all in the public. We publish our our schedule, and we you can watch what's going on. You can see you know, the Go No Go meeting is, is there in public. It's not like a, a secret thing in the back room. We try to have no back rooms as much as possible. And so... People seeing that process uh, often be, uh, would say uh, this release is you know, delayed again. Late, yep, that's Fedora, always late. And there were some times where we were actually really kind of off schedule, and it was you know, several months later than we intended to. But often, what people were just seeing is that process happening in public. That if this were a in you know closed source internal project or even an open source project that was de you know developed inside a company and then you know, released to die here we made it for you with that you know, basically all this stuff happens um inside and secretly you might not even know what the release date is so it might meet miss you know targets by two months and you'd never know excuse me there's a cat walking right here that is yes she wants attention this is izzy she um wondering why i am not done with meetings for the day <laughs> Hello, attention. Okay, um, the release process uh, internally, well, even, like even that Red Hat Enterprise Linux uh, right. doesn't publish release dates for that very reason. Yeah, you kind of have an idea of of when it's going to when it's going to land, but uh, you know, there's no published date, so it's it's very it's very countercultural to have that entire process out in the public. Right. So we kept got tired of getting dinged for that all the time. So uh, we are actually holding more closely to our published schedule because. One of the changes we made is if we do slip on one release that doesn't reschedule the following release, we used to be we used to like add six months from whatever it came out to the next one, which made it a little bit unpredictable. And so now we have a fairly predictable, you know, uh, May or April, May, October, November, like that that time frame you can expect it, which is uh, good for planning. Uh, but also, we, we made our schedule have a internal early target date, our target number one, and then the target date we tell people. Um, and we always strive to hit the first one. But until now, we actually never have. We've only we've hit, we've hit the the on time date several times, but that early target's never been quite ready. Um, and so this time, when it, there were a few outstanding bugs at the last minute, but everybody was so excited. Um, that for that possibility that QA team people like stayed up late and released engineering put things all together so we could have this um, early early release. Yeah, I was uh, I was sitting on that uh, I was kind of idling in the room on uh, on that go no go uh, uh, event just gosh a couple of months ago now, um, and it uh, it was kind of funny because the the question came up like did we did we do it. Are we done? I mean, do we do we push the big green button now? I mean, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> almost almost unexpected. So that was right, exciting. but it, it was it was really cool to see and and uh, with with Ford, Fedora thirty nine planning already well and underway. Uh, I'd I'd encourage all of you if you're interested to just 
sit in and kind of watch the process. It's it's amazing the amount of effort that goes into uh, into an operating system release of this scale. Yeah, and we can always uh, um, cat on the screen again. <laughs> amazing. We we can always uh, use help finding bugs. Uh, finding you know, we, there's so much hardware out in the world, and it's amazing that Linux runs in so many different weird laptops and everything. Uh, we can't possibly test them all in some sort of formal way. So having everybody's tests and feedback helps us get a good idea of, you know, if there is a problem with, you know, some some uh, laptops aren't resuming from suspend, um, you know, that happens all the time. Um, and it, it's important to know, you know, is that widespread? Is it a big regression how like can can we fix this thing should we should we block the release for this um if we block the release you know what else what are the consequences for other bugs and problems so we want to like the more feedback we have the better right so let's let's talk a little bit about it because I, I mentioned that you know Fedora Linux 38 just came out a few weeks ago and now we're already talking Fedora Linux 39, even some ideations around Fedora Linux 40. So I, I imagine a lot of our audience, having just moved into a video platform, I imagine a lot of our audience is fairly new to Fedora. Um, could you kind of describe a little bit uh, what that release cycle looks like? Yeah. So I, we do put out a new release every every six months which is fairly aggressive uh, our goal is to integrate as much of the upstream software we can that's you know ready for consumption into something that's available for you to use and to get it all working nicely together and that's kind of where that's where our QA process goes so fedora in fedora we don't do very much development of the software yourself. We're you know we're bringing GNOME from the GNOME project, KDE from KDE, and you know Linux kernel. All those things are the upstream projects. So we bring them all together and integrate them. And uh, we found that six months cadence is kind of a nice uh, way of working. We we can put out a nice solid release, and then the QA and release engineering teams and everybody has a little bit of a breather. We can kind of work on the tooling and the processes and things for a while, and then back to making putting the release together. Then each release has a, about a 13 month life cycle. So you can actually, if you, um, six months sounds intimidating, you can skip the next release and just stay on that for basically a year and then do an upgrade. And we've worked really hard to make those upgrades really um, seamless. They're basically just like a big update that has, you know, this time it's got a couple of gigabytes of updates and there, but then you should be on the next release. So. That's basically the cycle. And then uh, we try to make it so our, our updates policy is basically um, big changes should go in those release boundaries for some time reasons. And because a lot of the people doing the work here are volunteers, we don't have a lot of um, backporting fixes, security fixes and bug fixes to software is a lot of work. You can often introduce new problems doing it. It's expensive. So um, that's our preferred thing. but. Uh, if it's not possible and there's a security issue, we'll sometimes put a bigger update out during the release. Um, but we try to make it so the big changes are really on those release boundaries so that you don't have a thing where you wake up one Tuesday and discover that you know your desktop is totally rearranged because the software is new. Right. Um... But one of, one of the things you mentioned was being able to skip releases. And 
honestly, that's not been my experience with uh, with Fedora Linux either in my home server lab or on my laptop. Like this this device that uh, that we're streaming from today is running Fedora Linux thirty eight. I was I even ran it uh, on the beta for a few weeks. Uh, but the in-place upgrade process has been fantastic for uh, for a few years oh, yeah. now. You, you shouldn't need to, but if you want, if if you want to, you we we make that an option for people. And you know, there's everybody has kind of a different tolerance and taste for these kind of things. So, um, I, I, I we often get asked, you know, where, where's the LTS? And so, <laughs> you know, um, the, we've got the we've got the year there, which I think is a, a pretty good balance for a lot of people. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, and 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 uh, the the last few releases have definitely been kind of that. Well, this is just a big update, so I need to plan on not being on my laptop yeah. for you know twenty twenty five minutes. But uh, I mean, it's it's been fantastic. And, and and Conan in our in our chat kind of voiced what I was thinking, but wasn't sure if I should say or not. So someone else said yeah. it. But yeah, if if you want an LTS of Fedora, yeah. we we call that Red Hat Enterprise Linux. Um, I'm admittedly a little bit biased, being a technical marketer for RHEL, but you know, <laughs> yeah, and and that's you know that's that's how I know that that is an expensive proposition to right you. right, uh, and yeah, the amount of work to make that actually be um, maintained in a real way in a, for a long term rather than just, um, okay, now we stopped updating it, good luck, which is mm -hmm. another approach to that. But um, yeah. Um, yeah, no, I uh, one thing, it, it does seem like from the desktop point of view, uh, it's sometimes a little bit like things are getting pretty nice and polished and there's not dramatic change. It, uh, even when we, you know, I said, we want to make sure that things don't surprise you along the way mm -hmm. but often you know when we're going to new gnome releases now in, in fedora workstation like you see a few things moved around but it's not dramatically different because kind of the polish is is there and so sometimes it's a little bit hard to generate some excitement about the release but we actually have a lot of like i was looking back through the, the changes list the features we have in this last release and there's actually some really interesting like under the hood things i want to highlight um that that aren't visible but are going to make things better um, one of them, there are steps towards what we call a unified kernel, where right now, uh, this is getting into the, the geekiness of booting your system, but we have a thing called initial RAM disk that loads with some, it's basically like a, a kind of a minimal boot up operating system that is initially loaded, has some basic drivers and stuff, and then, then the kernel is loaded, for, everything's loaded from there, and then, sorry, the kernel loads Anyways, from there, the real operating system eventually gets loaded. Uh, the problem with this is uh, that is is basically a vulnerability point because we don't sign that and it kind of breaks the whole secure boot process. So we're moving mm -hmm. to a thing where we have a unified kernel that all, all put together all in one without initial RAM disk, no NetRD, and everything will be built and signed in infrastructure that will then um, have a much more secure chain um, from mm -hmm. boot to actually running so that's like some steps are in place for that uh there's also a, on a security like supply chain security thing uh work towards reproducible builds mm -hmm. reproducible build basically means if you make a package if i if we build a package in our build system you can build that same package you know at home or wherever else and you'll get a byte for byte identical identical output output Getting so excited, I'm talking faster than I can talk. <laughs> um, 
so like Debian has been working on this for a while and we've been in some ways behind uh, and the importance of that is you can basically if we can show that you can trust us um, I think you should should know you can trust us but previously you know this this lets you this is what trust but verify I guess this lets you mm -hmm. do the verify part of that so right. I think that's a that's a neat thing um, it's something where uh, in, in some ways, like like uh, I'm, Debian is ahead on this because they were able to to uh, leapfrog because they're uh, we we have a central build system where all packages are built from Git trees and built in our you know in our server rooms in our data center and uh, kind of a, a system under our control. So we have some basic trust in that, and then can uh, you, you can extend that trust. We sign the packages there. It's a Whereas, it, like in Debian, historically uh, there was no central build system. Everybody built their packages however they wanted, and then uploaded them. Which, yeah, there's like who knows what's going on? Is that person's machine compromised? Is all these things? So having those be reproducible was a pretty important step for them because they didn't have that. Uh, but it's something that would benefit us as well. Uh, we just it didn't quite feel the urgency. But you know, as these things. Uh, get easier for us to do because maybe the work work a lot of the work that Debian has done has made it easier for us. Um, we can bring that kind of security uh, features to Fedora as well, which is nice to see. Well, and thinking about the, the downstream effects of that, being able to run Fedora workstation uh, across an enterprise or uh, being able to uh, being able for those changes to filter their way down into RHEL, I'm thinking of large enterprises that have literally tens of thousands of servers, but to have that that unified build, or uh, I'm starting to conflate terms here, um, having that having that identical build capability is is amazing to be able to know that whether I'm sending this little little you know pizza box size device out to to a telephone pole somewhere, or if I have thousands of these little 2U boxes that are running in data centers across the world, it'd be good to know that everything is exactly identical on every single build. Yeah, and so so we have some other things like the the OS tree stuff that is um, Core OS, IoT, Silver Blue, Kino White, those things, um, and then some other uh, file system verification like things that kind of do the a similar kind of thing across the whole the whole image. Uh, as well that are in progress. Uh, yeah, it's, some of these things seem like they're like big, big fancy enterprise, see those 10,000 servers or whatever um, use cases, but they're also pretty useful for the home as well, where you, you know, well, you may be running, you know, an IOT thing and you want to make sure there's no malware in there that's, you know, uh, running crypto mining on your thermostat um, or just on your own on <laughs> desktop like being able to verify that you know the system is what you expect it to be has mm -hmm. that it's nice to be able to trust your own machine I guess that's right well and and you mentioned the home I mean here in, in our house we've got a mix of Apple products we've got I think I've successfully eliminated all the Windows partitions with the exception of I've got a couple of like AAA titles that absolutely don't work with Proton that that I still boot into from time to time. But, um, you know, as my kids are getting older, our youngest is getting ready to start kindergarten this fall. And I'm looking at an age where I have things like a Chromebook or iPads in the house. It's like I don't really have much control over that. So instead, we could buy a whole bunch of, of low-end, you know, 
like netbook uh, capacity type laptops and using things like Ansible system roles and some of these other tools that come naturally in Fedora, I can make sure that all of my kids have the same build um, and they have all the tools that they need. And then inevitably when someone breaks their, their build, because like my son's showing an interest in technology, curious what dad does, um, probably more the YouTube side of what I do, but interested in technology nonetheless, um, and he goes and breaks something, I can easily just re-roll that image out and have all the all yeah. the all the data, all the user data off on a on like a server in, in our in our furnace room. Yeah, actually that's that's a really powerful thing. It's actually one of the things that got me like to where I am in my career. I had a an early early mentor, I guess. Um, one of my p- parents' friends who had we, we couldn't afford a PC in our house, but um, they he was a programmer for a bank he had a pc and you know i could come over and play with it after school and he told me you know uh you can do whatever you want you can you know edit the config sys change the auto exec bat uh you you can't break anything so badly that i can't fix it it's going to be okay Uh, just go ahead and do whatever you want and like that freedom to do that was very powerful in being able to learn and i think um yeah really like Given that being given that permission and encouragement, go mm. ahead, break it. Um, right, is like essential to people, you know, really getting to understand and knowing, you know, how to work with computers. Uh, people who are hesitant to change things, that kind of afraid. Oh, what if I click that button and now it won't work? Um, that that can really hold back mm-hmm. learning. So I think the more more we can deliver an environment which makes it feel safe, the better we are at making people feel in, you know, in control of their computing. For sure. So that that was really deep, technical, nerdy, uh, which is where you and I spend most of our time. Um, why, don't, uh, why don't we zoom out a little bit and, uh, and, and help some of the less um, crazy among us, maybe? <laughs> okay. One of one of the we we were talking about how uh, this release didn't really have any new shiny features, which, as someone who spends a lot of time doing marketing and content creation, is just maddening because it's like, this is this is what Rel looks like nowadays. I've been on the last several releases <laughs> on that front, and it's like, what do we talk about? Because it's just better improvements, yeah. better better processes, and then I look at Fedora, and it's like it's the same thing. It's the yeah. same problem, except. Yeah. Except with Fedora Linux 38, we had a few new spins. Uh, We had one that was kind of promoted into an official spin. Um, You want to kind of talk us through, I guess, first, let's let's level set and what what defines a spin and what what is the difference between something that is supported but not like a spin? Yeah, so we've got several levels of things and it is, I'm sorry, somewhat confusing, Uh, but we we have. Uh, basically, a spin is a install media variant of Fedora, and so something like I think uh, was it Budgie Desktop? Is that is that the one? Yep. All right, was so that was available. You could install it, but there wasn't like a live CD media to run and test it, and um, you know, basically have a, a Budgie first experience. Um, and so now there is. So that's that's what having a spin here is. It is actually one of the things that um, I think we need to. Well, some of this is for the future, but um, part part of the problem is we should separate the install media from the delivery and like the what software you're running, what 
uh, a lot of the teams you're running around, like making a spin is, is an elevation. And we should have a way to elevate those things that isn't just now you have install media because the install media isn't, it's only used once. It isn't really that exciting. Um, so, and that, but it requires a lot of work and process and so on to, to do that well. So uh, we need to rethink that a little bit, but yeah, that's a whole nother, whole nother topic. I was going to say you and I could have a, an interesting conversation about image builder and, uh, and letting people run basically compile their own spins. Compile is yeah. not a good word. That's that's already used elsewhere. <laughs> Assemble. Uh, Assemble. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, the uh, the budgie desktop, and, and I had to look this up. Was was first packaged for Fedora thirty seven, but now is a Fedora Linux thirty eight uh, cattail. Fedora Linux thirty eight. It's uh, uh, now one of the official spins, um, and then. Um, the other one, and I'm going to completely butcher this, but Ceresia? Uh, yeah, actually, if someone else could say that out loud, I would... Um, <laughs> uh, anyone want to type it phonetically in the chat? Right, I don't right. know. Uh, but it's, it's, uh, it's kind of interesting because it's, it's RPM OS tree meets Sway, which is a tiling window manager. So RPM OS tree is, is something that's rapidly gaining ground in the technology space. Being able to do um, upgrades of your operating system separate of, uh, like, uh, there we go. We, we have, uh, and I'm not even going to try. There you go. That's phonetic. Actually, now that you say that, I think I've heard other people call it that, Sericia. So, yeah. So it's 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 a uh, tiling window manager and um, an RPM OS tree. So uh, there's there's some there's some conversation going on in the chat about OS tree and, and RPM OS tree being uh, being a future topic, and and I definitely agree that we'll we'll address that in a future episode. Uh, I but uh, the the I, I, the tiling window manager people. Uh, <laughs> Uh, wow, uh, that it is um, a different way of thinking about the world. Um, I, I appreciate you all. Um, it's a um, Windows 1.0. That's who got the UI right. That's that's the, that's the <laughs> movement. Um, and I, I appreciate that we can make room for those things. Um, if you would like to try out a different way of working with your Windows and your desktop, we have that available easily to you now. Yeah, I, I wish think... I could say more, but you're you're absolutely right because I <laughs> I know several people that are i three fanatics. Oh, and the... it's just like I I tried it for like a week, and yeah, I, the it was people like one who of those love it day things. Like... I made it a week, and just like yeah. I cannot comprehend this. The people who love it really love it. So if you haven't mm -hmm. tried it, you may find out that, wow, this is suddenly your native language, I guess. Right. <laughs> uh, one of the things, uh, the names are fun, but kind of getting out of hand. Um, I, I think we need to figure out a way to, uh, I would like to use the Fedora Atomic Desktop brand for all of these to kind of put them together because, um, yeah, OS Tree isn't really a great, I don't know, it, it not that exciting of a brand and it doesn't quite it's not very descriptive from the the top level point of view uh, it's not really immutable so calling them immutable images immutable like it's not that's not really what they are so um i i but i need to check with the brand people at red hat to see if i can uh, revive that i've got a really nice pr project atomic t-shirt over there already and everything so, <laughs> yeah, so. <laughs> 
let let me know uh let me know how that works out for you from from what i understand that's a fairly charged term nowadays yeah so. yeah we'll, we'll see um, yeah no code names are fun but like code names when they when code names then become something you have to decode in order to make a decision about what you were going to go on a website that becomes the wrong kind of code um, here we found the tiling window manager fan pure productivity says the comment yes exactly yeah, that's uh, that. That may be worth uh, dragging you into writing a blog post there, Merrick. <laughs> may, maybe maybe show me the error of my ways because I've I've been a GNOME user yep. for for quite some time. I've tried KDE, and there's things I like about it. There's things I like about GNOME more. I I, it's been a while, but I usually go back and forth. But GNOME is is kind of where I live. But uh, also I, in the comments of, here. Oh, sorry. I'm kind of a Walmart user of of technology anyway. It's like eh, about eighty percent of the defaults work fine for me. I'll tweak the other few, the other few things and and have a happy life. <laughs> in the comments, they're talking about code names in general, release code names, and Mo Duffy from the design team points out that we still do have Fedora release code names, but they're behind the scenes as code names, and they're used as the sometimes a little bit far removed, but sometimes more direct inspiration for the wallpaper designs each release. So, and the wallpaper designs are like, uh, that's a really awesome community process where people work together to you know, go from these ideas inspired by the code names to, uh, you know, the really awesome wallpapers we have in every release. Yeah, you I see mean, it behind it's... our pictures in the uh -huh. uh, video here. That's uh... Yeah, and it's it's almost as the uh, it's almost as if the Fedora podcast producer had uh, had an idea to put the Fedora Linux thirty eight wallpaper yeah. as the background for a Fedora nice. Linux thirty eight conversation. But uh, <laughs> and so the other the other spin that that garnered some news uh, in Fedora Linux thirty eight is uh, Fosh, which um, admittedly I didn't really know was, was still going. Do you do you have, uh, sorry to throw that's, you under the bus here, but do you have yeah, much to say the, on that that's front? That's the mobile one, right? Yep, mobile. Uh, I, I'm glad to see that there is starting to be uh, like usable hardware that people can play around with these kind of things on. Uh, you know, it's, I, Neil's going to be in the chat, like looking carefully at what I say, because I was pretty pessimistic about Fedora on mobile for a long time. Um, and, you know, it's like it's it's a hard market. Uh, you, it's a hard thing where, you know, Microsoft couldn't succeed. They backed out. But uh, hopefully uh, I know it's starting to be enough. Uh, it, it's one of those things where just like uh, you know, computers, like the first in, in the 80s or whatever, in the 90s, like every new computer was like 20 times better than your previous computer. Uh, and and so like just the jumps were so much and phones and everything were that way for a long time. And so it was basically impossible to make something that was maybe workable at a, at a hacker mm -hmm. level. And so now I think the technology has gotten to the point where it's, you know, um, you know, the Pine phone and whatever devices don't have to be the top of the line Google, whatever app, Apple thing to still be pretty amazing and be a functional thing that you can do. So I'm, I'm glad to see that happening. I'm glad to see Fedora Linux running on there because it's a nice place where you can take control back of your life and your privacy and not have that all owned by big companies. Yeah, I, th I think you. Uh, I think you struck a nerve with Conan there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> was, was that was that nice enough for you there? Uh, uh, um, 
Yeah, Ray Ray Green brings up a good point on that front too. Just I, I remember yeah. the the old jokes about buying a computer and it's out of date before uh, before you even open the box. I think that was a Weird Al song at one point too. <clears throat> yeah, and you know there was some time where you know like uh, you couldn't you wouldn't buy the latest generation of laptops if you wanted to run Linux because mm -hmm. they probably wouldn't you know you probably wouldn't you had to buy last year's laptops so that that happened there too in some ways. Yeah, and, and nowadays, I mean, we, we've got a partnership between Fedora and Lenovo, and you can literally buy uh, Fedora pre-installed on, on a laptop now. I mean, it's it's an amazing world. Yeah, um, and we should, we should get uh, Mark from Lenovo on, on this at some point. I think that would be a good one. Lenovo is, is one of the uh, episodes on, on my backlog list, so uh, excellent. excellent. so glad you mentioned that. <laughs> So um, if if uh, if you haven't noticed, we're we're kind of finding our footing again with the Fedora Linux podcast or the Fedora podcast. Sorry, um, just put Fedora in front of anything, and there's probably a project or a community uh, inside the larger community about it. But uh, you know, it's we've got a lot of ideas, always open to more. So pre free public service announcement: we've got a, a podcast room on the Matrix space. We've got. Uh, we've got a, a category on the Fedora discussions page. Uh, there's there's stuff everywhere, so feel free to uh, feel free to join in and submit some content ideas. Volunteer yourself as a guest or as as uh, as a guest host. Either way, um, while I love doing live streams, while I I'm I'm very honored to be the host of the Fedora podcast right now. Um, it shouldn't just be my mug on on uh, on this podcast. So. You know, definitely, uh, definitely feel free to get involved. Um, free public service announcement there in between the uh, the the Fedora release talks. Um, so you you mentioned getting things from upstream, uh, and there's uh, there's been a lot of talk about uh, about the GNOME Foundation and the GNOME project since the move from GNOME 3.x to GNOME 40, and Fedora Linux 38 came uh, pre-installed with GNOME 44. Um, excuse me. I, <clears throat> um, and and kind of like Fedora Linux itself, there um, there wasn't much in the way of uh, of changes there. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of uh, uh, updated uh, updated looks. Some some re rehabbed uh, settings panel. Any anything really stick out to you? Well, I, I really like the. The podcast so audio is important. I like the thing where you can easily switch between sound outputs and inputs on the quick menu. I think that's really nicely done. That's all come together pretty well. Um, I use that quite a lot. Um, but and yeah, I think you know, some of the settings are a little more slick now. But yeah, it's really like not a lot of big change here. Um, I don't know. I, I think. Um, so, sometime soon, I think they're probably going to have a, a dock option. It's very controversial in the GNOME world. Um, but most distros ship with that by default. Um, for Fedora Linux, if you like that, there's extensions you can add. We don't have that configured by default. Um, but we've done some user research, and it's pretty popular. So um, it'll be interesting to see. That'll probably be the next big UI change you see in GNOME. Um, but I, I, um, I'm not even going to bet when that could possibly be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, I mean the uh, the the top right menu is fantastic. Pretty much everything that I need to make changes to is right there as a as a quick access drop down now. Um, even some of the add-ons, like I use the uh, the caffeine add-on so that my system doesn't go to sleep. Um, like if I'm on a meeting or something and I get up and pace around and I'm not there at the keyboard, I don't want it to go to sleep in the middle of a meeting. Um, so like caffeine is is one of the plugins that I always use, and having all of that right there to be able to even if I wanted to tether my laptop to my to my iPhone, it, it's it's right there. It's easy to get to. The, the menus are all there. The settings are all there, and and you can drop it down to uh, uh, to make changes as as needed. Especially as a content producer, like you said, the uh, the audio input output changes is fantastic. It's nice to have it right there, easy to get to. <laughs> yeah, it's one of the things where it's taken like that. That menu's changed a lot over the releases it's one of the things that's subtle and it's gotten better and better and better i think mm-hmm. some of the small small changes that uh, you don't quite notice at the time but then if you go back and look from several years ago you're like oh yeah this has really gotten a lot of you know improvement based on actual use and input and so on i noticed a comment a while back about bugs and bug tracking and bug reporting um, yeah, I, that I, was like, I think that's a towards useful the top thing of the show. to talk about. Um, yeah, it can stick in there. So I, the comment was basically that bug reporting is a hurdle and a hassle. And are there any plans to streamline the process? Um, yes, loosely, I would say. Um, and we're, we have a forcing function coming up here, which is actually that. So the Bugzilla instance that we use um, for tracking all of our bugs in, in Fedora uh, is shared with us by red hat it's the bugzilla.redhat.com instance and that's actually like a big it's big slow and a lot of work to maintain that and for whatever out of my control reasons um red hat is switching everything to jira internally for all the rel development um which is kind of a crisis because we're not going to switch to jira for fedora um for not merely because I personally don't like it, but that's that is true. But also, you know, it's not open source. That doesn't feel right. And also, um, it is a very heavyweight tool that actually, if you want to use it effectively, you basically need someone on every team who is like your Jira expert and configuration person, or um, or else you will end up not being very productive. And I don't. That doesn't seem right for Fedora. Um, Bugzilla is nominally not going away but on the other hand um no resources are really going to be put into it and if the you know um dedicated cranky sysadmins not cranky they're but you know uh, old, old school sysadmin people who are keeping bugzilla running i think you know um as kind of a passion project almost like that's that's not a like we shouldn't be depending on that. So we're going to need to find another solution for bug tracking. And I think that's a good time for us to kind of think about the overall process overall, because um, there's, it can be very, because as I said, like we're an integration project, we're not doing a lot of the development, but we want to be kind of the first responders to people's problems. Uh, yet also people doing the packaging are often volunteers, people who are, you're not necessarily there all the time. They don't have a lot of time for helping ever diagnose everything. We kind of get a, where should I have asked this question? Where should I put this bug kind of thing? And um, it is also the case that filing a good bug report is a 
a skill or maybe even an art that not everybody has and then getting the information needed to actually solve things is difficult so this is a long way of saying i actually think we need some different layers to things and my main the main thing i want to do is um i actually looked at we had a page about uh when should i file a bug that was written i don't know 2004 2005 or something like that very early on and it basically said all the time if you see anything if you see something file a bug like that's um tsa kind of level of uh, the, uh and actually like that's exactly that's that's not what we really need because a bunch of bugs that need to be triaged and um may not get answered that ends up with this you know frustrating thing we have where when we we automatically close all the bugs we uh w w the things we don't get to we say oops sorry we didn't get to that and then people who feel ignored and it's frustrating all around so i want to send people to ask fedora to the forum q a site first when you have a problem you talk about it there and uh, people can help you solve your problem can help uh, figure out you know where is this something that is fedora specific is this something that that is maybe something we can address in fedora or should this be taken you know to kde should this be taken to gnome should this be taken to firefox rather than to to you know fedora tracker somewhere um and then when appropriate you know find or file a bug you know in in fedora packaging space in you know bugzilla or whatever we end up with but make the the end user experience be really centered around that kind of forum based help approach rather than about filing a bug um just kind of like how uh i don't know if you are a customer of a linux company like uh, you could you can file a bug in Bugzilla, but your uh, more direct approach is to you know, talk to your support people and they can, can hook things up. And so we kind of have our community-driven support uh, where we want users to come to and then hopefully you know become maybe contributors and you know, more confident in, in filing bugs and you know, knowing where things go. But if you're kind of in that, I don't know what to do state, go to ask. That's that's true today. That's that's the best thing to do and i think we'll make that more and more centered in the future gotcha yeah um and and mo duffy uh pointed out uh, what about gitlab which uh as, as a former gitlabber i i can say yeah we should we should look at gitlab and not jira um yeah. although rel, rel engineering looked at me and just was like no <laughs> yeah right Git, gitlab is kind it's high on on the list of possibilities um i can get into some technical details but it's probably too boring for the podcast. But um, yeah, I think that's that's that that's the front runner really. Um, but we have we have to work out, um, you know, actually how to how to get it running in our own instance and things like that, uh, and get that to be supported. So, so in the in the uh, in the in the light of being uh, open and transparent, doesn't necessarily have to be negative. But had a question that I wanted to surface for you. You know, what's what's something that could have gone better in the development of Fedora Linux 38? That's an excellent question. Um, actually, I think this one really did go really smoothly. Um, we haven't done a we, we we're in a little practice of doing retrospectives for a while, and we are, are not this time. Um, but I think it's a good thing to do. I things really did go so smoothly this time that I don't quite feel like uh, there was a problem, but I'm probably jinxing it. Um, 
<laughs> but some of it really is also, you know, that release. I, I'm I'm already thinking 39 and 40, and so mm-hmm. I um, don't remember the specific things. There are well, definitely and, things we could always do better. Um, but I think but, there's I think there comes a time where you do have to take a take a step back and celebrate that. I mean, releases and and like like Conan Kudo mentioned. Um, uh, like Fedora Linux 37 hit some hit some uh, some pretty substantial roadblocks, and you know that's that's been that's been kind of an issue in the past where things have have really derailed the release process, and so you're you're looking at missing missing targets or or uh, or at least you know mentally thinking, man, we should have been ready for this. We should have we should have been there. So I, I think there comes a time where you do have to take a step back and go, you know what, we did a really good job. Could we have done better? Always. But you know, Fedora Linux thirty eight should now be the new bar at which each release should try and hit. Yeah, uh, and I think everybody again, like going back to, back to the beginning, like you know, it's everybody working so hard to make this happen that made that happen. So I think we, as a collectively, everybody just did such a great job in this that. Um, thank you, everybody. Congratulations, all of those things all together. There you um, go. Um, let's see. So about the only thing left we'd had to, to talk about was some of the, some of the deeper stuff, uh, like, uh, in Fedora Linux 38 micro DNF was replaced by DNF version five. Uh, it's really quick. I can, I can, I can say. Yeah. And uses a lot less memory, which is actually, mm-hmm. this is timely because I don't know there were, we were starting to actually get complaints. Like there's some, some updates that people couldn't upgrade their systems because the memory consumption of DNF was so high that they actually couldn't do the upgrade all at once. <laughs> um, so, and it wasn't even like a super low memory machine. So that um, couldn't, it couldn't come soon enough. Um, I, I just wish they'd re- decided to rewrite it in Rust. And I'm only half kidding. Uh, <laughs> uh. I could say things about that, but I'm I'm not. I'm too tired. It's it's too late in the day. <laughs> yes, we were a week early. Uh, Mo, we talked about that earlier, but uh... yeah. So every, everybody, give Mo a hard time because I think she'll be our next guest. Uh, because uh, as as mentioned in the comments a little bit earlier, the new uh, website was also released the same day. And so we, we, uh, we're going to have Mo and maybe a couple of members of her team on to talk about the, uh, the big website refresh project that's been going on for well over a year. Um, see, the only other yeah. thing that, uh, the only other thing, I'd, I'm sorry, if you wanted to comment, go, go I was for just going to comment that that's a really amazing like community building <laughs> success story because of all the mm-hmm. people who came together to make this. We kind of were in a period there where we, didn't have a functional team and then yeah people ashlyn um a whole bunch of people came together to, to design and build and you know run this thing and has we have a really great functional team of a lot of like new faces in fedora and some old mm-hmm. you know people who've been around for a while who are more energized about it and it's uh it's a very cool thing yeah I, i'm <laughs> hesitant to start listing people because i know i'll forget some one, but uh, I'll right. let Mo, Mo do it here. <laughs> and, and I figure if I put her on the spot, then I'll find the the people that want to be interviewed on a video podcast. 
the only other thing that I had on my list was uh, some stricter compiler flags. Um, I know that's super into the weeds, but it kind of filters into what you were saying earlier about uh, having uh, a little bit better security, being able to trust what it is that you're installing. <laughs> yeah, this is I mean one of the things that compiler flags basically when when you're you know building the source code into binary machine code, uh, this there are certain new features that are always being developed um, either in the CPUs or just in the compilers themselves that make it harder to uh, exploit if there's a bug. You can uh, make it harder to you know hack the system and mm -hmm. uh, get around. Uh, Thing, you know, you turn turn those bugs into exploits that let you get root access and do bad things. Uh, so we tend to be pretty aggressive in turning on those new features as they come out, which is actually one of the things that is part of Fedora's function as a distro in the world. I think that doing that um, helps us find problems with those and, and find cases where those more strict flags actually ca cause bugs or they interact badly with something that a program was expecting to do. We help identify those and then we work with the projects, the upstream projects to you know fix them and make sure that uh, their code works um, in a way that you know, if, if we weren't doing that, um, you would have a whole haphazard mix of software that was or wasn't using all these features. And so by working on that across the board, we really elevate the security of software in Linux and overall in general. So we're, we're getting close to the top of the hour. We've pretty well addressed the conversations and going on in chat. Um, is there anything you want to mention about Fedora Linux 39 or just uh, just any closing thoughts in general? Oh, see, I should have had a Fedora 39 thing prepared, but no, you know, it's it's in progress. We're we are work we're working on it. You know, if you're feeling really brave, um, you can upgrade to the the rawhide release that will become Fedora <laughs> uh, Linux 39 in a little bit. Um, I, yeah, I'm not sure what's what's in store there. One of the things, you know, we don't tend to have a year ahead roadmap, so we'll see what people bring to it and see what improvements end up making it. Um, I'm sure it's going to be yet again our best release ever. So that's the that's the trajectory run. So. I, I could make a year of the Linux desktop joke right about there. But, you know, uh, um, I'll, we're, I'll we're, save we're, it. we're we're getting there. We're getting there. Uh, it's all <laughs> it's already here. If you uh, some of us, right? Uh, right. <laughs> Well, I'm, I got to say thank you, Matthew, for all that you do for the Fedora uh, community. Thank you uh, to the folks in the audience and to those who listen after the fact for all the hard work. Uh, the Fedora community is is an amazing place to hang out, and I'm really, really excited to to finally be a, a, a bigger part of that. Um, it took me a while to figure out where I could hang out in, in the Fedora community and, and kind of contribute back, but... You know, for years, uh, Fedora has been my my go-to. If if I'm not running RHEL, then then it's usually Fedora. Um, so it's really really an honor and really uh, a lot of fun to to be a part of this community to to be bouncing ideas back and forth. And as I mentioned a little bit earlier, um, really appreciate uh, all the ideas for episode I content. Uh, what I could really use right now is uh, victims. I mean volunteers to to jump on the stream and and uh, and to have about an hour long conversation. So if that's something you're interested in, please reach out to uh, myself uh, or the uh, the Fedora Podcast Matrix channel. Really appreciate everybody uh, and 
you know, congratulations on Fedora Linux 38. I mean, it's it has been amazing. Um, the only thing I might do is do a fresh install and try ButterFS, but we'll uh, <laughs> th that'll have to be for a quieter season. Uh, I'm in the midst of Sounds kicking good. this podcast back off. Red Hat Summit, RHEL releases imminent, and and uh, uh, so uh, so definitely uh, definitely a lot to be excited about in the community. Yeah, I agree. Um, and thank you very much for having me. This has been fun. Yeah, glad to glad to have you. Uh, I was going to say kick it back off, but uh, uh, Joseph uh, had to had to jump in in front of that bullet last minute. And uh, <laughs> thank <so>. you. <laughs> hey, we we had fun. We we chatted and we joked around for an hour. It was it was I'm a great time. <laughs> glad you're able to make it work. <laughs> well, thank you for joining us. This was episode 24 of the Fedora Podcast. Make sure to check out the show notes for links and additional resources pertaining to this episode. Uh, give me give me a couple of hours to get that done. Um, I do have another presentation after this, but check the show notes a few hours if you're catching this after the fact. Should be chapter markers, additional resources, and whatnot in the show notes. We'll be alive. Uh, actually, we won't be alive in two weeks. I didn't update that in the episode guide. Um, in two weeks, I will be at Red Hat Summit. And um, Matthew, I think you'll be there. So yeah, if, if we're not gonna going to do it live from Red Hat Summit. I mean, we could try. I mean, I'm. I'll have recording gear there. We could try it. Let, let's try it. Time. See what happens. Okay, it'll be at a different time than 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 this time slot. But hey, I'm I am more than happy to uh, to throw something together. Let's do it. Uh, so right. in about two weeks, we'll be live, possibly from the floor of Red Hat Summit. Um, but uh, for sure, the next uh, the next kind of typical episode will be in oh my gosh, in in a month, in four weeks, and we'll be discussing the website uh, property refresh. Um, so with that said, uh, see you all live from Summit. Be sure to connect with both Matthew at MattDM, just about everywhere. And I'm at IT Guy Eric, and, and pretty much everywhere as well. So uh, if you, if you want to reach out to either of us, definitely, uh, definitely come and check us out. Um, on behalf of Matthew Miller, my guest today, uh, myself, Eric, the IT Guy Hendricks, and the entire Fedora Project community, we will see you next time.